Hey guys, welcome to Break the Chain. I'm here today with uh, my good friend Marek Hyde. Um, we've known each other since we were five or six years old. We went to primary school together, so we've uh, we've really been through the the lot together until around five and a half years ago when Marek decided to go to rehab to do the twelve step program um, to try and get off heroin. Um, since then, I don't really know what he's been up to too much other than the fact that he's a health and sports coach and he specialises in substance misuse. So um, I don't know if you can just uh, fill us in. I mean, what's, what's uh, curious to me is how you think you got to the point where you went for, for, from using, to using drugs in the first place all the way up to actually using heroin. Yeah, I mean, it, it crept up on me, uh, to be fair. Uh, it, like, like you know, it all started off a bit of fun. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of things that I said, I'll never do that. I'll never, I, I looked at other people and said, I'll never do that. Uh, and then suddenly I find out, you know, I'm, I'm doing the same things that I said that I would never do. And that just kept progressing uh, through the years. Um, I mean, you know, it progressed, you know, tried heroin, um, that uh, I tried doing different things uh, and eventually it led to um, that moment where I was in a prison cell. Um, I'd been addicted to heroin for years. I was injecting it um, and I thought, how the hell did I get here? Um, I think for me, you know, addiction, it, what the biggest symptom of addiction, uh, the disease of addiction it, for me is that massive denial uh, and I, I, the failure to see the reality of the situation I was in until it was presented clearly to me in my face. I was sat in a prison cell, quite pleased to be in prison because uh, of the situation I was in on the street, streets, um, thinking this ain't going to get any better for me. I'm going to be back here in, in, in a few weeks when I get out because that's what I'm, I'm planning to do. So yeah, from that fun times all the way up to uh, quite, uh, yeah, uh, a desperate situation. Uh, it all happened and crept up on me fairly quick. What do you think that it was that um, sort of encouraged you to use drugs in the first place? Um, that's a, yeah, I mean, those, those things that weren't right well before I started taking drugs. I mean, I didn't know this at the time uh, because I had, didn't have that uh, perspective on myself. Um, it's not like in primary school where you feel uncomfortable about your feelings. You can talk to the person next to you and say, I don't feel right, because you think everybody feels the same way. Um, there was, I think I, f I first started losing myself as a person for attention uh, at school. I feel like uh, I, I lost um, myself. Uh, I was doing things, I was using short-term gratification to make myself feel uh, better, uh, but then losing myself as a person. So uh, I think... When I found drugs, it was kind of, uh, not only did it put me in a social circle without doing anything, uh, I think the gap between school, uh, the school we went to, uh, to in secondary school and college, um, I didn't stay for sixth form at school uh, because of my behaviour, uh, yes, a consequence of my addiction, I believe, um, and then meeting a new friendship group in college that gap there was kind of where I thought yeah there's you know this is where I fell into that other group and drugs seemed to fit the fit the mold it gave me some sort of relief from myself uh, already uh, so that's where I feel that I slipped into it and also I had no foresight on consequences um, 
my inability to listen to anybody else was massive. And that followed me all the way through my life. I had to find out things for myself. People say drugs are bad. Yeah, I get that. Uh, now I understand. But for me, I, I had to listen, you know, I had to kind of experience that. Um, I, I was very much someone that was curious, curious to try stuff. I mean, there was a few things, <laughs> observations that I realized a little bit later on. Um, you know, you was always the class clown, 10 out of 10, <laughs> just mm. absolute boss doing the most peculiar and bizarre things, <laughs> which look pretty funny. But, um, you know, it's just a, spotting a, a pattern earlier on. Because um, obviously when you're not getting your needs met around you, you start to, you know, just pipe up and do th things just to get attention in any way because some attention is better than none, um, mm. which is something that someone explained to me recently. And I'll say one thing when you was using drugs re sort of recreationally, it was probably a bit past that at that point, to be honest. But there was sort mm. of a difference between you was when you did ketamine, you was always your aim wasn't it wasn't I don't think it was so much fun from what it looked like to me. It looked more like you were trying to escape. You know, you'd always do as much as possible and try and put yourself in another place, wouldn't you? Yeah, totally agreed. Yeah, that was that was me all over. Uh, absolutely trying to escape myself uh, and the. Yeah, what I put down to it is the dis-ease. You know, when people talk about disease of addiction, I put that down as the dis-ease of, of, of me within my uh, myself. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. I was trying to find oblivion from quite a... Uh, it didn't take me long to progress that far uh, into it. I mean, I started taking drugs at about 16, and by 17, oh, that's, that's, that's what I was looking for, oblivion, that escape. Yeah, I, I think... I mean, one thing that's interesting to try and sort of observe and figure out is patterns in people from a, a really young age, you know, from before the point where they're doing drugs, because I think that that's the point where it needs addressing, because once it gets to a certain point, you know, you, you go down that track too far. And as, mm. as you, I'm sure I'm finding out, and I'm sure that your case is more extreme, but coming back down that track is just really not nice. And it takes a long time to come back down that track as well. I found that, you know, I, I did drugs heavily for 10 years, maybe a little bit more. And for those 10 years, I feel like I'm having to walk those 10 years back down that path. <laughs> do you feel the same way? I do to a certain extent. Uh, I think for me, it's slightly different because I did an intense uh, sort of residential rehab uh, where it was the, the process of doing that was uh, sped up. Uh, so... Yeah, but I do, and I feel like the more I am in recovery, the more I understand about myself, uh, and I, I had no idea what was going on. I, I believe that um, addiction lies in, in fear-based thinking, um, and the reason why I did the things that I did, the attention stuff, was because I was more scared about what my classmates thought of me than I was of the consequence of the action that I was about to take part, uh, take part in, uh, and I feel that uh, that fear, that fear of social situations, that fear of uh, so many different things in life, the future, the past, the everything, and culminated into one. Uh, drugs became a short-term solution to that that long-term problem. Um, and as I move move on, I find how how com I I believe the twelve steps is a journey of self-discovery. Um, and I found that you know. Until you start working on yourself, you don't realise how much work there is to do. Uh, and like you say, them years that went by, 
uh, when you're using drugs, my beliefs are that the uh, your emotional development is stunted. Uh, so therefore, that emotional development needs to take place uh, at some point. Yeah, I completely agree with that because I was a absolute moron until I was at least 25. <laughs> and, then, and then, to be honest, when I stopped taking drugs, something happened and I just, something happened to me. I grew up fast. As soon as I decided yeah. to, I wanted to actually make a change. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's really interesting that observation because I, I feel like it's exactly the same with me. I I actually think that the most traumatic part of my life was being bullied. When mm -hmm. I put it, when I put it, and I, 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 you know, you did as well. You got you got a hard time at school. You know, I, I saw that a few times. There was a few times where there's actually some like really, uh, you know, a few situations I can point out that were actually really traumatic. You know, and I, I went through a few of them as well. And that, that rejection from, you know, people at school, and I mean, that's a big deal, isn't it? You'll do some crazy things to be accepted at school. And, uh, mm -hmm. and I had yeah. that as well. Um, because I can't really put my finger on anything else in my life that was more traumatic than that. And that, I think, mm -hmm. I also think that, um, I, I, in the same sense that I've gone on that journey of self-discovery as well in quite a big way through, you know, spiritual means, spiritual practices that I've found, because if you don't sort of figure out who you are, you can never sort of uh, come to terms with that pain that was under, underneath. Can you tell mm -hmm. us a bit about the 12-step program? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I suppose it can. Obviously, this is all my, my opinion and my uh, kind of uh, interaction with it and uh, the way it's help me but uh, for me the 12 steps like I said is a journey of self-discovery um, it's about first of all realizing that you are powerless that is a big big word within the 12 steps uh, for powerlessness meant for me um, that I could not control my use of drugs um, on my own I literally I tried I really tried hard to use drugs um, be a successful drug user you know so it wasn't problematic other people can do that. Uh, other people can do that. People that haven't crossed that line or uh, got to the lengths that, that uh, we did. But I believe that um, it was proven to me over time that I could not manage the amount of drugs I, I took. I couldn't. I thought, oh, yeah, you know what? I'll just smoke weed. I'll smoke weed every now and then. I'll be fine. I couldn't manage that. I couldn't manage any sort of uh, moderation of substances. Um, and that wasn't something that I kind of, came up with overnight I, I went into a few rehabs before I went into the one that I went to and that, that seed was planted that perhaps I can't control the use of drugs but I was like yeah I know I take heroin every day and I steal for it and I love for my family and I, I, I do over my friends to get to get this drug but powerless that seems like a bit a bit strong um but then I went out there and I thought it, the seed was planted and I thought it, you know they're right can't i've tried moderating the amount i've tried doing all these things and i cannot do it i can't just have a drink on the weekend every time it leads me to the same place in my parents but uh, spare bedroom doing a rattle thinking how the hell did i get here again um and i think that realization over time that i you know i, could, I couldn't do it that that's that proved to me uh that i was i was powerless um for sure um 12 steps in general i think it's very hard to just just uh put it into it's uh, like small synopsis but i think the, the essence of it is that i realize that i can't do it on my own and there is 
another way. Uh, I mean, my thinking, um, I realised, you know, they talk about surrender a lot in the steps as well. It's like ending that fight, saying, you know what, I can't do this on my own. Um, my thinking has never got me anywhere good. I need to try something else. And then opening your mind up to the fact that someone else may have a better way of living than I have. Um, and then following that process along uh, until you've learned who you are, uh, why you do things, um, what you can do to be better with that, making amends for what you have done in the past, and then kind of trying to maintain that and pass it on to others. Uh, if I, <laughs> That's a very small synopsis of what the Tour Steps is about, but it, there's so much within it, it's, it's hard to articulate something in a concise uh, sort of paragraph or short, short. Uh, there's a few things in there. It's like, admit you have a problem, Sur uh, surrender to the fact that all your ideas are shite, <laughs> you've tried yeah. everything and it hasn't worked, and then there's yeah. a big part, which is sort of reconcile everything that you've ever done wrong or that every problem yeah. that drugs has ever caused, which I think is sort of like what I see as sort of like a karmic sort of thing where you're sort of like leveling out and realizing and seeing the whole picture and seeing all the damage and saying, yeah. saying sorry mm -hmm. and a lot of confronting a lot of emotions. And, th and then yeah. actually, once you've done all that, then going on to help the next person, which I think is one of yeah, the most, most important parts. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. And that, that sort of uh, community is incredible. You know, I mean, every single recovery network that I've seen that's got any success involves some sort of community of other addicts. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Which is what's brought me and you to this conversation right now, because that's what this is for mm -hmm. me. And that's sincerely what, what's helping me. And if, if I didn't have, if I didn't have this, then mm -hmm. I, I don't feel like I have much reason not to, not to stay off drugs. I just, I just don't, I just don't, and it's only because I feel like I have purposeful and my life has meaning that, that it keeps me away from those things. I mean, what's beautiful is I observe from a distance, you know, I haven't spoke to you a lot in the past five and a half years, and to be frank, it's a, it's a, a, your life's a miracle compared to where it was, because I know that, I know how bad it's got, and I sort of would like to talk about that, but I saw, and I see, and to be honest, I honestly see this in everybody's life, anybody Anyone who gets off heroin is an absolute legend. Like, there's no two ways about it. It's what it's got to be one of the hardest things you can ever do in this world. You know, there's by the time that there's no more of a comfortable and warm space, very temporarily, that you can possibly experience, like on this planet, whatever it is. And it's you know you suffer. We'll go into that anyway. But like, if you can give that up, kick that, and kick all the all the emotions and the and the pain that goes with quitting that. People come out the other side of that and their life transforms and just unfolds and blossoms into this beautiful thing. Like, I see, I don't know what, why it is, but like everybody I know has got off heroin nearly are all like ended up with a, with a family and a kid and they've got a house. And, like, and, the, and then, not that these things make you happy, but like it didn't look like they were looking for these things as such, but all these things just seem to happen and find them, they just seem to like slot in this nice place and they see, and they seem to be you know, not content, but like things seem to be going very well for them. Have you observed that as well? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, personally speaking, the, uh, I never thought I'd enjoy my life without drugs. I thought the drugs were be all and end all that lifestyle of more, 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 get me more. I never thought, but then it got to the point where it was <laughs> the, 
the the drugs uh it wasn't fun anymore um and you know and but i still couldn't see an exit without without drugs it was kind of like that uh, caught between two two lives, but now yeah, genuinely I'm happy, and I in where I live, you know, uh, I'm in 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 contact with a big recovery community, and you see it like all over. You see people having successes, feel that that I mean, putting down heroin is one thing, but then you're left with what the reason why you started taking heroin in the first place, and that is what you need to fix uh, for you to be content with life but like you say as an observation I, I've, yeah yeah absolutely i've got uh I, I i know people from a spectrum of up to you know 15 20 years clean uh right down to 30 days clean uh and they're all moving in the right direction and they've got something in their life they've never had which is you know sobriety and uh moving in the right spiritual direction but like you say people do sometimes get a nice house and a nice car and have a kid. Um, not always. Not talking about that specifically, that but you know, something happens within their life mm-hmm. that, like, is like, like it, it's, it appears to be quite good for them. Like, you know, something, absolutely something wonderful that they never imagined could happen for them happens. Yes, a, mir- a miracle is what they they you know the you know a miracle for sure. They there's. Something happens, especially when people start working on that void, that spiritual void that they have. What, it, it, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, for mm. sure. I'm definitely experiencing that through through mm-hmm. what I'm doing at the moment, and through and through changing myself from only caring about myself really to actually putting myself mm-hmm. putting my care out t- towards more people and sort of trying mm-hmm. to trying to bring those people up around me. I'm I'm witnessing a miracle. And there's no, there's no two ways mm-hmm. about ways about that. Yeah, no, it's amazing. One thing, one thing I would like to touch on, uh, which we probably should have started out with and uh, gone from really negative to, you know, better. <laughs> but um, the the reality of what it's actually like to be on heroin, because mm-hmm. I don't think people really know, and maybe they know a bit, but I don't think that they really know. Can you tell us about the reality of what it's really like to be a heroin addict? Yeah, I, I can. I'll tell you about my life when I lived in Nottingham towards the end of it. Uh, well, I can tell you about all of it. I mean, it's it's bleak. My life was, I lived in a shared house. Uh, in my bedroom, I had a, a dirty bed, a drawer full of needles, a, a PlayStation 2 with a TV that I'd like, one friend's dvd that kept going around constantly just so i could like wake up in the morning and know that like i was alive uh i'd go to sleep at night uh basically my life revolved around shoplifting uh the morning i get up i'd go shoplift uh it it, it, it i'd get to the point where i'd hate shoplifting so much and i'd been arrested i was on bail uh and i I got in debt deliberately to some really nasty people to force myself to go shoplifting. That 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 was the desperation I was at. So I get that next hit, not to get high anymore, just to feel normal, to be able to focus, you know, to to be able to go out and buy. Every day when I woke up, it was so dark. It was just like, have I really got to do this again? Um, add in the fact that. All the stuff for your family that's going on. Uh, I've, I've, there's been some dark days when I've told my family, and uh, 
you know, my true friends and that's all going off somewhere over here. Um, while you're trying to avoid getting beaten up, avoid getting arrested, avoid, uh, rattling, uh, you know, I've been kidnapped before I've been beat up. I've, uh, I, I can't, it's, it's dark. It's bleak. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. And because it's not just like one single thing. It's, it's, uh, it's prolonged. It's like, day in, day out, until you either go to prison or you die, or you get clean. I mean, your life, your life was just, just nuts. I mean, I, mean, I, I know some, some of the stuff. I mean, what happened in Brighton? There was some, something happened in Brighton with guns. I can't remember what it is, but you just hear about these things, you're like, oh my God. Yeah, I, I was involved with a lot of dangerous people, and I mean, I was well out of my depth. I was a little country boy that... <laughs> that <laughs> A socially awkward country boy that was scared out of his uh, brain, and I was getting involved with some really, really nasty people. Like, I mean, there was guns involved, there was gangs involved, there was uh, it, 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 it was bonkers. Yeah, it was absolutely bonkers. Uh, it was and like you say, you, one minute you, you're messing around with your mates, going to uh, <laughs> listening to music and stuff, and then two years later, you're right down the drain uh getting kidnapped and uh getting beaten up and getting knives held to your neck and you think how the hell have i got here um yeah bonkers i mean the thing is like people treat these people and these addicts like they're the absolute scum of the earth but mm. i i have seen personally both sides of the fence for these people i've seen them without drugs and i've seen them with drugs and a lot of these people come from really good families like yourself and like I as well. I come from a good family, you know, and mm-hmm. I've not had, I've not had a, I've not had a, a super rough upbringing or anything like, it seems like I have no excuse, but something happens and you get completely con, you, you put yourself, you choose, make the choices which put you in a situation where you're being completely controlled by something and it check comes absolutely changes the complete architecture of your mind, doesn't it? Like, you, you, you as a as a soul don't have the hands on that steering wheel anymore, at all. You know, you're just being yeah. taken along for the ride for a ride by the mind. You're completely dominated. And I've seen some really, really good people do some really, really terrible things to add drugs with drugs, and mm. it just goes to show how much of a, it's a sickness, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I, I class it as uh, like I say a disease, a disease, however you want to put it, because it does it. It, it controls you. You are literally a pawn uh, at the will of your disease, especially towards the end. And that's kind of where, you know, the way you explained it uh, was good that, you you know, you're a passenger. Um, and that's kind of where I was at the start. Perhaps you do have a choice. But when it gets to that point where you're doing really, really, really horrible things, uh, that you've got no control of it. And that's kind of where... If, you know the 12-step program comes in you, you admit that you know I, I i i couldn't control this I, I was gone i was uh yeah like you say a passenger um just at the will of the disease yeah more, more like a slave than a passenger <laughs> yeah you know, absolutely talking about that, yeah. that shoplifting and stuff and it's like yeah you know it's like you have to go and do that to feed to feed your mind almost it's like your mind wants mm-hmm. it it's like i don't want to do this but my mind wants it. No, you don't. <laughs> I've got that no. battle every day. That battle every day to, like I said, I used to get in debt 
to force me to do it. I didn't want to do it. I, do you think anybody like you know wants to harm their family? Do you think anybody wants to go do that sort of? It, addiction can turn the nicest of people. There's so many people with really bad reputations, like seriously bad, like proper villains that I've met in recovery that aren't that person. They they were like you say, you know, a slave, a passenger to their disease, and they've done some really nasty things. But that's not them. Um, it, it, yeah, it, it takes people. Mm. What do you think it was it, uh, that you was actually looking for in the heroin that you've now found without it? That's a good question. Um, I think it's that feeling that it's, it, it fills that void. It fills that uh, that emptiness that um, it just makes you feel content it makes you it, it, it gives you that feeling that everything's okay uh you know that warmth that uh that kind of satisfaction it gives you everything you need but the problem is it's a short-term solution to a long-term problem and it doesn't last long and the consequences of getting that drug uh <laughs> very consequential they they, they they're dire uh so yeah it, it gave it gave me a short-term solution to a long-term problem and it filled that void so i felt okay i felt like um different drugs give you that different feet you know that, that have a different purpose you know cocaine it can make you feel sociable you know feel you can fit in heroin made you relax and you know be that you could find a drug to fit every uh need that you really need but it was the consequences of getting it that turned turned uh sour and yeah Made it made it very difficult. How do you think you actually fill, you filled that or filling that void now? Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot of stuff, really. I, I mean, like you said, the, the a disease of addiction for me is a very selfish thing. It, it runs on selfishness, and the antidote to that is uh, being selfless. So thinking of other people. If you spend your days thinking about yourself and how hard done to you are and what you haven't got. You are going to be a very unhappy person. But if you start thinking uh, that flip of perspective that, uh, you know, I'm doing all right. There's people out there that aren't so good. You start just putting yourself, empathizing with others, start going to other people and saying, you know, how are you? That quick text in the morning to one of your friends saying, how are you today? Straight away, that's getting you out of yourself, not thinking about your problem, thinking, you know, how, how can I help them today? So selflessness is is a massive thing. You know, when I go back into self-centered uh, loops of behavior, it's only going to go one way. If I'm thinking about me, 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 uh, addiction for me is taking, uh, recovery is giving. Uh, so that's that's a massive thing. Uh, filling that void, I, I mean, doing nice things for myself. I think uh, everything in addiction is short-term gratification uh, so I always aim to try and do things with long-term gratification uh, so delayed gratification so I, I'm always looking for doing things the right way uh, doing things with substance and doing things with purpose and making I think for me addiction I, I was kind of like uh, water I take the path of least resistance I'd go the easiest way I'd cut corners I'd try and just do things the easiest way, the quickest way to get some sort of short-term gratification for myself. And recovery is about, yet again, that, that flip of perspective and turning that over to something positive where you know, you're looking to do things for the long-term, you're putting in the footwork now for your future, things that give you satisfaction rather than pleasure. 
uh, that that is a massive thing. I, I I aim to satisfy myself, but not you know give myself pleasure. Uh, I'm not perfect. Don't get me wrong. I I, I still uh, act out and do things that give me short term gratification, but I try and keep that balance. I try and keep that balance and don't get to the point where it's all me, 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 now, now, now. That's addiction for me. Uh, so the opposite of that, that's what I do to try and fill, fill up uh, spiritual void. Yeah, that's like the exact same thing that I came to as well. Um, I, I, we've come from a, a, a seriously selfish mindset as well. Like, I, I don't feel like I'm a good person. <laughs> Not really. I feel like a scoundrel. I know, I know the way that I think. I know, I know the, I know the first thought that comes into my head, and it ain't a good one most of the time. And then I have to be like, no, that's not what you do, because the ego mm. comes in, and it's like the false ego, and it's like do this, and I'm just like, no, that doesn't, that's not who you are, and that's not helpful to, to me in the long run or anybody else. And I, I notice these patterns coming in, um, super early now. Like I know when I'm, when I'm all a bit chaotic, and I'm just sort of like. You know, you're not really aware of what's going on around you. And you feel like, you, I know, especially when, if I feel like I'm in a rush, I have to be like, no, slow down. You're not in a rush. Whatever it is, isn't really that important. Just slow down because when you're in a rush, you lose awareness of the people around you. And especially like when you're around, around people and then you just stick your head in a laptop or whatever and you just try and block everything out around you because I find this another a form of, of the same thing. Or... An example of recently is like, um, you know, in, in the kitchen in this house that I'm staying in, there's, there's three other people in this, uh, two other people in this house, sorry, three of us in total. And I sort of see that the bin's full. And I'm like, can't be asked to empty that. And I just don't. And then, you know, I, I honestly want to leave it. Or it might be the bin or the dishes or whatever it is. And I'm just like, you know, then you just have to be like, you might even walk away. And then you on the way walking away, you like, empty it. Because I know that doing that is what makes me feel good. I know that doing those little things in life is actually what fills that void in inside. And choosing those kind and compassionate and helpful decisions is really, like, that can be the beginning of, of, mm. of something spiraling out of control to using heroin. You know, it starts with things like that, being selfish. Yeah. And that, that is actually where it's at. And it sounds like it's trivial, doesn't it? But I constantly... It does, yeah. I constantly have to like do stuff like that. Be like, you know, I'm just going to be like, you know, the the nicest person possible without wanting anything back for it. Um, yeah, that's that's a battle, isn't it? You know, that's like, it is. Yeah, so much stuff there I can relate to. You know, uh, that a lot re relates to twelve steps. I mean, uh, the fact of that first thought, that first thought stuff. Uh, we're taught in NA that you know, the first thought you're powerless over. Uh, you, you cannot control your first thought, what comes to you in your into your brain, but you, you can control what you do with it, and that that relates to step six and seven, where you learn about your shortcomings and your defects, and you try and act appropriately, and eventually by doing that, it, it changes something. And the the bin stuff, that's a perfect analogy. You look at the bin, you don't think it's that important, but it is these little things. And I think a lot about what you're talking about. There's integrity. I think integrity for me, it has to be done. I have to. Make sure that I do things. I, I can be quite rigid uh, at times. I can be quite disciplined on myself and say, I do this stuff and I don't do that stuff. And that I have to do that sometimes to kind of instill that sense of discipline and integrity in me where uh, 
if I see something, I have to pick it up and do it. And over time, it, it does become become easier, uh, for sure. But, you know, I can relate to a lot of the stuff you said. And the selfless action stuff where you've got to do things for other people, but then also looking at your motives. Why am I doing this? Uh, sometimes, it, I, I think for me, if I do something for somebody else and I tell somebody else, it doesn't count. I have to do it and not tell anyone else. So I know my motives are pure. So I know that I have done that for the sole purpose of helping that person rather than the uh, the praise from another person. Oh, well done, pat on the back, clap on the hand. And that yeah. is a battle all the time, constantly checking my motives because everybody likes praise from other people. Everybody loves that. Uh, you know, it's, it's a human nature to want approval, validation and uh, from other, other human beings. But it's not going to serve you well in the long term. It's about having that pure motives of wanting to help somebody because you want to help someone. And that's where I feel like I get the good stuff from. But I'm a work in progress. I'm, I'm, I mess up. But, I, you know, it's that trying to get back to making sure that, uh, you know, 50%, 60% of the time I'm doing the right thing uh, and, and I've got the right motives around it. Yeah. I find that that's a really interesting situation because from, from my understanding, it's never what you're doing it's your intention and why you're doing it and sometimes mm -hmm. i find that like look you you need to do this thing and you need to not tell anybody because what you're feeling is i want to get some praise so mm -hmm. i'm going to do this to get some praise whereas sometimes it's like i'm going to do this thing and then i'm going to promote this and i'm going to tell everybody because actually with the situation like you know this mental health crisis suicide epidemic drug addiction it's like if we don't if we don't spread this message and pass this on and you know raise awareness and stuff and actually get that out there then people aren't going to be aware and people do need to be aware of that so i find it's it's like all right well in this situation it's like do you need to keep this one to yourself and just because you're you're fishing for some praise here or do do you need to actually do this and, and spread that because sometimes i feel like i don't want to share this like my first blog post didn't want to share that not really a lot, a lot of these mm. videos and stuff that I make, I don't really want to share it because actually I think that I look stupid and I think, well, what authority do you have to tell anyone anything? You're an idiot. And that, these are the things that go through my head and then you actually have to, but as so long as my intention is, is for the, the best thing, you know, for other people, then it, it's all good. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. And I think over time you, you get that perspective on yourself where you know you've got that feeling inside where you've got a conscience. You start to grow that that moral compass where you kind of feel it. You feel whether you're doing the right thing. You kind of know. And when you're not, it doesn't feel quite right. And I think that's something that grows over over time. I mean, the first couple of years of recovery for me, I, I had no chance of knowing. That's why I needed someone else to ring up the phone and say, what's going on here? I need help. Um, and having that humility to do it but over time it kind of grows on you and you can just kind of feel your way through it and think this doesn't quite feel right I'm probably not not going down the right path here and having that perspective on, on yourself when you've been a heroin addict and uh, <laughs> I never yeah. thought I'd be saying these sort of things or even you know if someone had said this sort of stuff to me probably like <laughs> 10 years ago I'm like, what are you on about yeah you so. know what you, you're bonkers um but these things are important and uh, for me it's what keeps me clean and not just keeps me clean it keeps me clean and happy and uh content and uh you know headed in the right direction 
I do, I do exactly the same thing because I am fully aware that my ideas are crap. As we mentioned before, I don't have mm. that many good ideas and especially not in the past. So I actually, when I have questions, I seek the counsel of people who that I consider to be profoundly wiser uh, and just more incredible, uh, just incredible personalities. And I, I, I like the way that they operate in the world. And I see that the effect that they have on people, I'm like, okay, I need to go to this person and ask him, like, in this situation, what do I do? Because I actually don't know how to do, how to do things. I don't know, like the question I asked recently is like, when should you tell the truth? And to what degree should you tell the truth? And does the intention matter? Because these are things like you feel like everybody's got an answer for that and everybody knows. Everybody knows something different. And it's like, you know, and he explains some things. It's like, you should always tell the truth and you sh shouldn't lie. But if, the, if, you're telling, if you're, you telling the truth purely causes anxiety to that person, you should keep it to yourself and, you know, things like that. And it's like, it's black and white, expert, <coughs> helping you to understand like what you really need to do in, in life because it's, it's complicated. Like it, to actually have the best effect on other people anyway. I mean, you can do whatever you want and anybody can. You can literally do whatever you want. I mean, no one's going to, people will tell you what to do, but you don't have to do it. You have a choice. But if you want to operate in the world and have an effect on other people that, that contain, that causes joy to spread, which I do, you know, that's what I'm all about. That now. And that's something else I was going to mention is, You'll notice how someone will quit one drug and then they'll move to another one, and then they'll quit another mm. thing and they'll they'll move from 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 smack to crack to booze mm. to biscuits to you know I don't know slitting the wrist or whatever whatever bizarre thing or then work whatever thing is swap one thing for another and you really mm. you do have to you have to have to swap something with something else you like you can't mm. you can't just take away. The drugs and expect that to work, or the the, the 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 use, because as you say, you have that void. And it's like, all right, well, what do I put? What do I swap that with? And what I what I'll swap that with, and what you swap that with, is that service to others, because that actually contains joy, doesn't it? And that that actually mm -hmm. fills that void, that fills that mm -hmm. that darkness and emptiness inside. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, I, I think to see somebody come in, like an addict that's absolutely writ off, like absolutely writ off to, you know, having a baby and like moving into their house and, you know, cleaning the car and getting joy out of life. There's nothing, there's nothing that compares to it. You know, like seeing someone that's absolutely writ off, and I mean writ off, like looking like a skeleton, looking like, you know, absolutely bedraggled. From that person turning into someone like happy, confident, with a glint in their eye, is 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 incomparable. You know, yeah. it, it's it's to anything else. It's 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 amazing. It, it really is. So yeah, like yeah, that that stuff does give you joy. I mean, the what you're talking about, the changing from different drugs. To when I realised the game was over and I couldn't do that. I mean, I, I spent many years on methadone. I spent many years trying to substitute. I mean, uh, for me, you know. <laughs> Now, looking back on it, someone tried to give me methadone. Someone tried to treat my drug addiction with drugs. Like, that, that to me, now, doesn't make any sense at all. Like, <laughs> I think, how can you treat a drug addiction with drugs? That's like saying, I've got, I've got a heart problem. Oh, it, it's some kidney disease to fix that. It, it, you know, that's, <laughs> that, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, it had to be, you know, put down the drugs. I've lost. 
I've lost with drugs. Me and drugs don't don't get on, uh, you know, like like we're supposed to. And that that was kind of like a big turning point for me, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I do I do think that you can you can't solve the problem, but you can certainly, I don't know, I like I know that some drugs, like my mind, is certainly a lot a lot clearer, and um, you know I can actually sit in a much more pleasant space some drugs like most don't agree with me i only really like one drug um mm. which i mean I, i'm certainly better in that space in the sense that um you know i'm not going to be as as messy and depressed and whatever other thing but at the same sense mm. you kind of need that messiness and depressedness to actually be like all right i need to sort this out so yeah you can't you certainly can't fight a fire with fire no, uh, for, for me that that never works. Uh, not not everyone's the same. I'm not saying everyone's the same. I mean, it, it, there's different sort of levels of addiction. There's drug dependency that's not addiction, in my opinion. Uh, you know, people go for a rough patch and become drug dependent, alcohol dependent. Uh, but then, uh, you know, stop. Something happens and they stop, and that's it. And that's it. They go back to being a normal human being. I think addiction, the disease, the way I look at it, and someone that's drug dependent uh, can be very different. Uh, and also, you know, there's so many different. It's a spectrum, of, I, I believe, addiction. But I do believe at some point there is a kind of invisible line that you cross that it's very hard to get back from. Uh, and you know, I could, I couldn't do that. Um, so, yeah. Well, the place I've come to is that I, I would like to quit drugs and alcohol forever and never touch them again. Um, mm. I, I do. That is, at the moment, you know, I don't have any cravings for these things. Um, you know, I definitely can't. Definitely can't ever touch ketamine again. That's something that you know. So that's hundred percent just absolute flat out mm -hmm. fact and to be honest i i sincerely hope that i never do drink or do drugs ever again like i, I do yeah. alcohol or something that's still something like where sometimes i haven't i haven't completely got around to that i mean yeah i think it's dangerous for some people do that you know they, they have a drink and then it slowly you know snowballs doesn't it uh, i know a lot of people have done that and they're like oh I'll just have a beer and then that that beer just turns into heroin again slowly over time yeah exactly uh it, for sure and I, I i i in my head i think perhaps i could have a drink i could have one drink i never had a real problem with alcohol it wasn't my thing but then i think is it worth risking it you know five and a half years of sobriety i've got a little daughter i've got a happy home am i going to put that drink in me and perhaps it leads to losing all that and losing what i've built up losing my job you know uh, that's kind of what deters me uh, i think perhaps you know i know people that have been in recovery for a long time uh, absence-based recovery and they've got to seven years or whatever and said i'm gonna have a drink and they've been fine uh and i've also known people that have got you know, seven or eight years, had one drink and they're in a crack house now, uh, you know, talking about what they've learned in, in the 12 steps to, to pe <laughs> people in the crack house, you know, uh, while they're taking crack. Uh, it's it, it, it can go either way. Uh, it's not one fit. Recovery is not one fit, uh, one fits all. There's many different forms out there. I just know for me, the risk is too much. It's too great for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one thing I, I sort of think is like when when I when I'm craving that beer or that or alcohol or whatever or whatever it might be, it, 
I, I guess that what needs to be done is instead of reaching for that 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 band aid for the pain, be like stop, mm-hmm. stop, and be like, all right, well, what's wrong? What 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 emotions are you trying to cover up with this right now? Uh-huh. Because that's essentially all that's going on. It's like, well, actually, you've there's something for some reason you've been triggered, and there's some uncomfortable feelings within you right now that need to be addressed, and you don't want to deal with it. You want to cover it up Absolutely. with that, which is a lot of people listening to me. This will be, you know, it's a bit of a buzzkill. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, and fair yeah, enough, it, you know, yeah. but but it is, and I, I and I honestly think that these things, you know, I, I'm going to remain humble in this situation because I am incredibly vulnerable. You know, I'm not that mm. strong, and uh, I could, e- I could, I could easily mess up again in my life. You know, it's, you know, it's possible. So I'm going to remain incredibly humble in this situation. But I, I mm. you know, I, I see that drugs and alcohol actually do prohibit you from experiencing the highest sense of joy. And that's something that I'm quite interested in tasting. You know, mm. joy in its highest form. It's, you know, I don't, I don't think it gets any better than that. So I see them, I do see them as an obstacle in the way of life being as good as it can be. Uh, yeah, like I say, though, everybody, you know, is different. Uh, I think it's quite a normal thing for people to grab a drink when there's there's something wrong. Um, and unless you kind of, uh, you know, know the consequences and you've gone through that, uh, you know, a few times, some people can. They can just have a drink and then that's it. But like you say, there may be a better way of dealing with it. I think for me, early days, it was... And still to this day, you know, if I I could wake up one day, you know, this is the best analogy I've ever heard about uh, addiction. You know, if someone's a bricklayer for 10 years uh, and they they stop laying bricks, they're still, when they walk past the wall, they're still going to look at the wall and think, oh, I wonder how that was laid. You know, you're still going <laughs> to think about, you're yeah. still going to think about laying bricks, even though you stopped doing it for a long time. And for me, that will always happen. I'll still walk past a guy on the street begging and I'll think, heroin i could get heroin from them because i've done it so many times but i pick up the phone uh and i say and i break that power and i invite something greater than me in and then that's it you know diffuse the power take the power away from that situation and move on and i in early days I, you know i thought many a times i was going to use you know uh, uh, them forks in the road where it, it could have gone totally different ways uh but yeah that I think that the cathartic power of one addict helping another or one greater power helping another person uh, is is unparalleled. Uh, and using that, that, the phone is the best uh, defense against the disease. You know, getting on that phone and saying, I'm struggling. That humility that you talk about, that having that honest perspective on yourself and removing all that ego away is is invaluable. That is, that's humility and honesty uh, go hand in hand in my opinion i think those two two things are absolutely key uh for my recovery anyway yeah that's an absolute black and white statement is you can't do it on your own at mm, all you've got sure. no you've got no chance and if you do no, succeed no, absolutely not. if you do succeed it's going to be the uh, incredibly painful experience you know, yeah, like, it, it, you're 100% right. That That is bang on. Yeah, absolutely. I I managed in the early days to quit drugs for a few days, but I hated it. I hated every single living moment of my life uh, when I wasn't on drugs. It's not it's not the same now. Uh, and like you say, 
other people, let other people in. You need to talk to people, and uh, you, it, it's a big enough. It's it's a big. It's it's too big. It was too big for me. I couldn't do it on my own. And when I realised that I might need some help, that that was open the door to you know a better way, in my opinion. Yeah, dude. I think we'll leave it there. This has been a, a heavy heavy conversation uh but hopefully shed some light on the on some things for people uh thank you for um opening up today and talking about some of that stuff you know it, it can't always be easy talking about that some of stuff some of that stuff um you know i'm quite ashamed of things that i've done as well but i figure that mm -hmm. you know through through opening up it helps other people to do the same and that's one of the, the the first and biggest things that you can do is actually open up about these things and be honest with yourself and everybody else and uh, and things can start to change if you want them to so thank you so much for uh, sharing your time and your story with us today no, Marek. Thank, uh, no, thank you and if, uh, if you enjoyed this conversation uh, like and share uh, and subscribe and do all that stuff on social media or on podcasts we've got all kinds of stuff going off now so just keep an eye out uh, another thing we're going to do is uh, stop sharing things on my personal Facebook and start putting them on the break the chain one because Facebook have dirty tactics and Things are quite difficult with sharing stuff if you share them all over the place and things don't get seen. So uh, if you want to see stuff, um, like it on Facebook and uh, follow us as well. So uh, thank you very much. Break the chain. <laughs>